Eddie P. It's morphin' time. I mean, wait, 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 my bad. All right, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you smell, no, 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 that's not, that's not. Let's get it, Eddie and Mike. You lansing. What's good? You lansing, bro. Just trying to bring the energy, man. Trying to bring the energy. If if you're listening to us, episodes. My bad, my bad. Now nah, you're good. If you're listening to us, thanks for listening to us and always listening to us. We appreciate it. If you're watching us on YouTube, that means we finally uploaded an episode on YouTube. So congratulations to us and what's popping. But um, as for today's show, we're going to start off with some Commander's QB talk. Then follow that up with um, some interesting comments from former Redskins Antonio Pierce, current Las Vegas Raiders head coach. I'm over saying Oakland now. That's good. Um, <laughs> follow that up with a shocking move by the Wizards before tonight's game versus the Nuggets. And then we'll finish this show with a couple of topics from NBA championship contenders to our local Washington hockey team, who is, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later in the show. It's an ongoing situation. <laughs> but nevertheless, what's popping, man? How are you feeling this week, bro? Feeling all right. Uh, you know, we, we got baseball not far. NBA starting back up. Caps are playing right now. There's a lot to be excited about. Uh, certainly the approaching draft with our new regime and our second overall pick, definitely a lot to be excited about. So nah, that's a good I'm gonna, segue. Hold it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize in the before. Um, you know, I, for those that listen to the show, I got a Bigfoot neighbor. Well, I don't know if she has a Bigfoot or not, but yeah, she she's doing something upstairs. I don't know. So if y'all hear some background noise on my part, please forgive me. Never done purposely. And I always want to make sure I'm putting out a good quality show for you all. So apologies in advance. But you brought up the second pick in um, our front office. You posed the question or um, the topic you want to talk about was, is there pressure on Peters to make a home run quarterback pick? So I just want to get your thoughts behind that thought question, and um, we can get it popping from there. Yeah, Mike from the Jersey Shore would be really proud of you, Mike, from one Mike to another, because, you know, the thought before the thought, that's the equivalent of the shirt before the shirt. Those who know, know. <laughs> Anywho, um, so it, I realize that's like a captain obvious, like a no duh, like there's always going to be pressure in that business and in that kind of position and with the rebuild and the history. And I, you know, I can go on and on. So what I'm saying is like, he's just getting started in this position with this new franchise, with everything that I just listed that equally goes in his favor as it does against him. If, if you can kind of catch my drift. So what I'm saying is he still, there's all this pressure right away. Like he's not, you know, I, I guess nobody in his position would necessarily be walking into a situation that would be quote unquote cozy or kind of like already laid out. I mean, I'm maybe it has happened, but probably, you know, 
more or less than not. So right away, like if this fails, like that could doom him as a GM. And then, you know, right away, like that's, that's attached to him. And now it's going to be that much harder if he should lose his job again, because of that pick not panning out. Like, I just kind of feel like we have to really, really think about who we're going to take if we're taking quarterback, obviously, but like, is it a better idea to maybe try and trade back just a couple of spots and get a few more picks? Cause you got to figure a lot of people want to move up if the bears are willing to deal, whether it's fields or the first pick, but then you got other teams trying to get up in there too. And maybe a guy like Daniels could fall just a pick or two. And if we move back just a little bit, we get them. But um, I'm sorry. I just kind of went roundabout because I'm really trying to like hammer home that point. Like that's a lot like it, it. Hey, your first go around at GM, we're starting over. We need you to hit a home run right away. I, I just, I mean, he's certainly got like some pedigree to him for sure. But man, that's a lot. That, that, that's a lot. I just, I don't know how to emphasize it the way I want to. I, I just really don't feel like I'm getting my point across. That makes no, sense. I understand. I understand what you're saying. He's a first time general manager with the second overall pick in a big city with an organization that's starving for a win. Um, of course, anytime you have this pick, you want to hit a home run. But it is different because of the situation that he's in. I'll give you this, though. For him personally, I don't think it's that much pressure. And this is a theme that I'm starting to see with a lot of our coaches and uh, front office executives or whatever. A lot of them have won a lot already. Like, yeah, we talk about Dad Quinn failure in the Super Bowl um, with um, the Falcons, but he already had one Super Bowl with Seattle. And it's like, um, like everybody on the staff, maybe except for Kingsbury, I think, has like won a game or won a big game or whatever. So I understand what you're saying, but I think um, – and this kind of leads to our next question, too, but I'll save it for a second. I think that they're there, or I think they have the structure where they don't necessarily have to trade back to acquire more, to fill more holes, because they have not only the second pick, but I think it's six picks in the top 104 picks or something like that. They have that as well as about 80 million in salary cap space now. So I'm like I I would love to trade back. I'm with you on that. Even if it does cost us Drake, May, um, Jaden Daniels, or Caleb Williams if the Bears don't take them on. Well I don't know about that. But um <laughs> like but I'm I'm with trading back. But like I was talking to in the comment sections on the um, Commanders the Classified um, episode that we put out. How far do you want to trade back? I literally asked that question. I'll ask that question to you too. 
if we were to trade back, how far would we trade back? And would that take any pressure or add any pressure to Peters in the front office? So I don't think I'd want to go maybe further than I think like seven tops tops, but probably maybe more like five, like five being like the limit as far back as I would go. Um, I think in a way the pressure would be more that like you hope this works out, like whoever it is that you're, you know, kind of because you're making that move almost with some level of certainty that uh, X quarterback is going to fall or, you know, you would assume quarterback. But, yeah, I just feel like he could end up, you know, this could be like a one or two season thing where it just doesn't work out because we've seen more often than not like draft classes where not really many of them turn out to be as good as they were uh, predicted to be. And that's the part that's just kind of on my mind. But I'm also of the mindset that, we've got enough trustworthy individuals here and we've actually made overall good picks the last several years. So just kind of hoping we'll continue to do that. I got a topic I'm going to talk about, but not on this episode, episode, (laughs) not on this episode, but, um, yeah, she, I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, what do you want in a franchise quarterback? Because if we can find that quarterback with the number two pick, I think that would be more valuable than trading back and rolling with how or or maybe we discover that how is what we want in a franchise quarterback. And we trade the back and go with an um, offensive tackle or something. So, what do you specifically want in a franchise quarterback? Uh, I want someone that would be respected and command respect from his teammates, and you know, by his actions, not by anything other than just play. Uh, the way he treats everyone, things of that nature. So, you know, obviously this person would be talented, you know, gifted, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, like Mahomes or whether it's like Lamar, uh, they would be somewhere hopefully in that (laughs) category as well. But anyway, uh, you know, someone who doesn't let you down necessarily, you know, they're they're not going to always play out of their mind. They're going to have, so-so games, but, you know, does the right things, puts in that effort, holds other players accountable, you know, uh, uh, you know, basically it'd be whoever it is on each team that, uh, what's that, the Walter Payton Award? It would be someone mm-hmm. who would meet a lot of that kind of criteria because let's face it, that guy is going to be the face of your franchise, especially if they turn out to be good. You know, it, it could be a long-term thing if you really, you know, put good players around them, et cetera. But you would want someone that's, you know, maybe take like the drive that like a Brady had, even a, even a breeze to a degree, 
and someone that would put in the time and the in in the reps and stuff the way Peyton Manning did. Um, you know, it doesn't mean they have to play like these guys, but it's the approach, it's the attitude, the 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 uh, uh, preparation. You know, the, you would want someone who comes in. I, I, I'll give you another one: someone who isn't worried about like outside things like Joe Burrow. I've always said this. I thought it was great the way Joe Burrow was like, no, I want to go to Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Because Cincinnati hadn't been good for a while. So you want, I want guys like that. They're like, Oh, you know, I never understood it. But like guys like Eli Manning holding out or demanding trades, John Elway did it back in the day. You know, it's like, you're lucky enough to go play in these leagues and I get it. They're going to make a lot of money off of you. So why don't you have like some say in it? But I, I don't know. Mixed feelings, a whole nother can of worms. I'm kind of opening up. But you want someone who wants to be there, wants to get better. You know, that's, that's a lot. That's, that was that was a loaded uh, response. So. Nah, yeah. All those things. Cool, Mike, right? You got all that, right? Check. We yeah. get all that, right? All right. Yeah. So, similar to what you said um, about not being distracted off the field and other stuff you said, um, I would like a franchise quarterback. I would like that quarterback to be obsessed with football and winning. I need both. Because I feel like some quarterbacks might have one but not the other. Um, Like... I'm not trying to use him as an example because he's a cowboy more because he's been in the headlines lately because of a lot of things, but mainly uh, his contract is coming up soon and he's scheduled to make about 59 million next season. And of course I'm talking about Dak Prescott. I feel like rain rain. Uh, yeah. This contract is ballooned this season. And I feel like he's he's a good franchise quarterback, but I feel like he's not obsessed with winning enough. Because there's just a few a few slew mistakes that he seems to make routinely, repeatedly, that prevents um Dallas from advancing further in the playoffs. And I know last off I mean last playoffs the offense, I mean the defense was lit up with 38 points, yada yada yada. But <laughs> at the end of the day, yada yada yada. I believe he threw didn't he throw a pick six? Yeah, I think Doc yes. threw a pick six in the playoff game. And like I said, stuff like that tends to happen with him a lot in the biggest stages. And I feel like that's because he just isn't concerned with winning enough. But you know what? Of course, what? he probably wants to win the game. But, like, if you really want to win, you will stop making these, Um, I would say, basic mistakes. Mike, but they still them boys. <laughs> you can never take that away from them. They still. Here's what else I wanted to say and um, what Fox I wanted to say earlier. Des caught it. Here's what I wanted to say earlier too. Um, I want them to have a, a great structure or a decent structure or a good structure to um come into. Now, of course, if you're picking high, usually the team is some trash the season before. But 
that could be for a slew of reasons. It could be because the front office was trash themselves and now they're exiting. Could be because a star player was injured or something and it jacked the whole team up or whatever. But nevertheless, it would be nice as a quarterback and have a nice structure to come into. And I feel like Washington is building that right now or has built that when you think about Quinn as a leader with Kingsbury, you got Anthony Lynn for the run game, um, Brian Johnson, Bobby Johnson. He he worked with um, Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. Both of those are mobile quarterbacks. Um, and, yeah, so I like the structure that Washington has. And you're you'll you're kind of thinking, I know some are thinking, well, dang, Mike, Howell is obsessed with football. Howell is obsessed with winning. But there's the third thing, and I think this is a newly developed idea or want that I would want in a franchise quarterback that Howell kind of revealed to me last season. I need my franchise quarterback to quickly and efficiently fix their mistakes. And that's something how this seemed to not be able to do this past season. I understand he was in a bad situation with the enemy. I understand the offensive line wasn't the best. It definitely wasn't as worse, I mean, as bad as people make them seem, but they weren't the best. And Sam Howell, he was um, basically a rookie still. So it's hard for me to, like, be too critical that he didn't learn from his mistakes. But it was just – it was a lot that happened last season. I felt like that Howell didn't um, do himself any favors by committing the turnovers or holding the ball too long and not getting it out quick enough. And, again, I understand the enemy is to take some of the blame for that. But at the end of the day, he how is the quarterback that was pulling the trigger or not pulling the trigger? And if he was good enough to be a franchise quarterback, Washington probably doesn't have the second overall pick. They might not be in the playoffs, but they would not be a second overall pick if Sam Howell was the franchise quarterback that we've been looking for. But don't get me wrong. Like, anything could happen. And if they decide, like, Sam Howell is the best option for them and they rather trade back and get a Penix or Knicks or even J.J. McCarthy, like, whatever, that's cool. Like, I would be perfectly fine with with, um, getting Howell in in this system with this coaching staff and letting it roll another season. But I just feel like we're we learned our lesson before in this particular pick, the number two pick, where there were quarterbacks like Herbert and Tua, or I'm sorry, Tua and Herbert <laughs> that we could have drafted and we didn't. We went with the can't miss generational prospect and we're back at number two again without that can't miss generational prospect. So it's like if you're at two and you know quarterback is the most important position, you probably want to just do your best to find that quarterback for you. 
rather it be Drake May or Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams if he's there too. Yeah, I I agree with I mean a whole lot of what you said. A lot of the um good things to know as far as infrastructure goes at their press conference, especially uh Witt Jr. Uh, just just a lot of things that, like I said last episode, that really just kind of put you at ease. Um, I understand lip service, and I understand it's just a presser, and you know who knows what could happen, or you know whether or not this works out. Obviously, we're all rooting for it, but uh, he talked a little bit about being dyslexic and how he would make sure and go out of his way to make sure that. However it is, these guys got to learn this stuff, you know, as far as their schemes, play calls, assignments, all of those kind of things. He said he would go above and beyond to make sure that there is every measure taken to ensure that these guys understand what they're doing so that they can be playing at top speed. Because you understand when you're playing, excuse me, when you are playing kind of not knowing where you're supposed to go. You're not really moving top speed. You're kind of like tiptoeing to a degree. Like you want to go fast, but you, you don't want to go too fast and overcommit in the wrong way or whatever. Um, so that was really refreshing to hear. And then another thing I thought was so cool, again, as far as infrastructure and talking about guys that are obsessed with football, obsessed with winning. Uh, Joe Witt Jr. has a son who's playing, I think, at the college level. I don't know where. But uh, apparently Dan Quinn, like, put together a whole – I don't think it was college. Was it high school? Um, um, he didn't say. He might have – I think he did say middle school. Was it middle school? Either way, yeah. the fact that Dan Quinn, who's, like, you know, running defense for the Cowboys uh, probably at the time, um, is taking time out of his day to put together some packages – of Micah Parsons and other players like, hey, look, you see what these guys are doing here with this play and, you know, how they're, you know, using their hands or how they're, you know, whatever sort of techniques they're using. Um, that, that just speaks volumes to the kind of guys these guys are because to do something kind like that, you know, for a friend, coworker, you know, it, it, kind of understandable. But then in that line of work, I would imagine at some point you get tired of football and you kind of want to like, all right, let's go do something else. But then at the same time, these guys really love football that much. This guy was probably like happy. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. So there's a lot there that really kind of, again, puts me at ease. I know, again, everything we just talked about comes from the defensive guys. Uh, I've heard that, you know, with – Again, Kingsbury, like they've already kind of decided, you know, what direction they're going to go in. I don't know if that means what specific player or a specific position, but um, there's that. I, uh, yeah, I, I got to be honest, though, man. I know he didn't play great, and I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback, but I really would not be mad if we took an O-lineman second pick. Would not be mad. Yeah, like, it, I'm not going to say that. I'll just move on to the next topic. Oh, okay, that's what we're doing. Because the next episode, we'll be able to dive deeper in this topic. 
but I'll just move to the next topic. Um, Antonio Pierce, Raiders head coach. Antonio? He was, on the, he was on the pivots with Ryan Clark, um, Jameis, and no, Jameis. Uh, what's this man name? Not Channing Crowder. I'm sorry. And um, Fred Taylor, Florida boys. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he brought up Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and his comments were interesting. He said, similar to how the Detroit Pistons treated Michael Jordan in the 1980s with the Jordan rules, the Raiders have the Mahomes rules. And the last time the Chiefs played the Raiders, they lost to Antonio Pierce. So, I don't know, bro. What you thinking about all this? I feel well, like I feel like everybody's jazzing it. I'm just gonna be honest with you. But what'd you feel about it? Well, it wasn't too long ago that uh Greg Williams was under fire for the bounty gate. Um, there's an emphasis on player safety, especially at the quarterback position, and I would assume even more so to a guy like Pat Mahomes, who is pretty much the face of the NFL. So yeah, that's probably like putting the Raiders on uh, on some people's radar. You know, they're, they're in like some people's little black books, if you know what I mean. Little casino type reference there. Uh, I think I, I, I like what Antonio Pierce is doing because if you remember when he took over uh, for uh, – who was it, McDaniels, wasn't it? McDaniels running the Raiders – once he took over, he was like, I want them to feel me. Like he's trying to kind of bring that old school type of uh mentality. And I'm if I'm not mistaken, he was an undrafted free agent. I don't think he was drafted at all. So he's definitely gonna be kind of of that you claw and fight and grind to get yours, and you know, you earn your spot. And I think just in the football community in the world, the fact that he was a solid player, earned his position, Super Bowl champ and all that. And then he's bringing that to a coaching style, uh, to a team with his coaching style. I think a lot of guys dig that because you got guys like Max Crosby who embodied that bad boy style and even said, hey, like, I'm out the door. Ooh, excuse me. I'm out the door if Antonio Pierce – doesn't get hired as head coach or brought back, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know if you want to, you know, because you don't bring him back to interim, so then hired as head coach, right? But you are bringing him back. I feel like he's just making a play on words or comparing a situation to another similar situation. Because based on what I heard, he ain't really saying nothing like that isn't common sense. Like you want to be more physical with Mahomes when he out the pocket. Well, uh-huh. I think, I think <laughs> some of what people are kind of reading into is per the Jordan rules, and I, and I don't, you know, you'll have to help me out here. I don't know if he said this or not, but he's basically saying like I want a hand on him always. And if you watch a lot of that game, and now look. I am not saying, oh, poor Pat Mahomes. There's a lot of times Crosby who, like, he doesn't like – I mean, you know, he he kind of embodies that old defensive sort of, like, angry, hate the quarterback 
type of thing. Um, he was doing a lot of times where he would just shove Mahomes, like, you know, give him a little extra. It's football. I, again, I'm not defending Pat Mahomes, but I think that's what people are reading into. And, you know, that was kind of what Detroit did too. And it certainly to Jordan, but I remember specifically they did it to Scottie Pippen once too. There was a, a timeout and lo and behold, the teams were on opposite ends of each other, obviously, but then their benches were across from each other. So these teams, when the timeout happened, had to cross each other sort of like in an X fashion almost to a degree. Mm-hmm. And as Scottie Pippen's on the way to his bench, like three or four different Pistons, like not hard or anything, but they just like walked into him and then like, oh, get out of the way, walked into him, walked into him. And I think it's little things like that where you're constantly going to gonna be like nagged and bumped. Now, hey, this is football, so I'm not going to be mad that you're getting hit or bumped. You know, you got pads, like that's the nature of the game. But I do think in a way – the Raiders could be doing themselves a disservice because now they've given people a reason to believe that maybe what would be a questionable call is like, oh, no, hey, you said the thing. You guys are trying to do that. Penalty. <laughs> um, but but that's the another. Hold on. Oh, oh, let, let, let me finish quick. Please. Hold on. I'm going to let you finish, Mike. <laughs> um, on the other end, we have been going down this rabbit hole of the scripts and everything else, and it is entertainment. And, you know, Antonio Pierce, young head coach, I'm not saying he doesn't believe in the things he's saying or that this is uh, some kind of satire or anything. Like, he might really believe all this, and that might be really him. I'm not saying it's not, but there is the entertainment side of this. There, There is that. He might be trying to like, kind of, like, make a name for himself. Like, oh, I remember when he said that. And then, like, maybe they go on to have a good season because, like I said, the players dig that kind of stuff. Dan Campbell, he's of similar mentality. He's talking about like biting people's knees off and stuff like that. Like, you know what I'm what? saying? But, but players love that because it's just yeah. that, we're just meatheads. You know, they it, there's something about that stuff that has been going down since essentially the 80s. You go back, watch the movie The Program. Great college movie, but does that corny thing where it's cut to we're in the championship. Anyway. That style of football has been working for decades. So who knows? Maybe the Raiders do a quick turnaround. Um, but yeah, you were saying something about how him saying something put a target on his back. And I'm like, bruh, that's why I really don't think it's as bad as people making it seem. The fact that he said anything, I'm like, we know this Bama, not only from the years with Washington, but when he went to New York and won a Super Bowl or two, I believe. Um, he's smart. A very smart, articulate person. You could tell in the interview, like, he's not really just saying stuff just to say it. He knows what he's saying. Like, when he gave the nod to um, Magic Johnson on recruiting Kingsbury away from the Raiders. Like, I just, I don't really think he's just going to go in there and just say stuff just to say it and be all wild about it. I really feel like, um, like, he just laid it out. Like, yeah, we have special rules for Mahomes. We want to be a bit more physical with, physical with him than we usually would be. 
but to an extent. And we we won't cross the line. Like we'll keep it clean. Like nobody going to go for no kneecaps or nothing like that. But um, he's going to fill us. And I feel like like if the NFL wanted the slogan for next year, and I doubt in this society they'll be able to actually get away with it. But um, I heard two organizations now say that they want to be felt. Pause. But if they wanted to have a a slogan for the 2024 season, it could be you can you're going to fill us. Um, Peter said the same thing. And they have felt me. <laughs> Peter said the same thing at his press conference, introductory press conference. It's like um, it's going to be a long, um, a long head coaching search, but just know, come week one, you're going to fill us. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I like it, it's nothing. I feel like it's it's really nothing. I feel like. Um, so you then, anything right? Is that that's what we're saying? Mahomes is Jordan. So um, then, what is that? Brady is Kareem, or because of the championships, he's Bill Russell. What is probably like a combination of the two? Like, okay, we can stay. Actually, we can stay on this topic for a couple of more sex minutes, whatever. Um, I saw people talking about. Mahomes was better in his first six seasons than Brady was in his first six seasons. Duh. Yeah. Like, yeah. was that even a like, were we even debating that? Like, he was better. His first three seasons was better than Brady's first six seasons. What are you talking about? As much as you can argue that, like, a guy like Tyreek Hill with just amazing speed, guy like Travis Kelsey, um, at the time, what was my man's name? Kareem Hunt. Um, solid running back that they had going for him. You could argue he had all that talent, but Mahomes running around and kind of playing backyard and just having a freaking cannon for an arm uh, has a lot to do with that. And no disrespect to Brady, but, I mean, you really go back and look, and there's even video of Teddy Bruschi saying this, especially that first championship. But you go back and look even like the first two or three, it was more the defense. Now, that Panthers Super Bowl, Tom definitely was throwing some TDs. Uh, but, you know, you look at the first the, the first playoff run in general, Tom only had one passing touchdown because at one point he got hurt. Bledsoe came in and threw a touchdown during that playoff run. But they had special teams touchdowns, punt returns, kick returns. They had interception and uh, fumble returns uh, for TDs. So – yeah, there was a lot of like, like if you compare the numbers, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, his numbers were eerily similar to Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl, and everybody would argue that Super Bowl against the Panthers was won by the Broncos' defense. I love Peyton Manning; I'm a huge fan. Patriots. I think he's. Great. Oh, you're talking about yeah, gosh, my bad. But the the Broncos Super Bowl is the last yeah. one with Peyton Manning is the same as Brady. Look at the numbers; it's the exact same as Brady. This isn't to disrespect Brady. But that team was already set up pretty good with a good O-line, good running game. They didn't have the best skill players in terms of running backs and receivers, but they also had pros who were smart and still NFL players. Like you, It's not like they're scrubs. 
And defensively, they were as solid as they come. You got Lawyer Malloy in his prime, Ty Law in his prime, and then guys like Brewski, Vrabel, Roosevelt Coleman, along with uh, my man Ted Williams right there in the middle, I believe. Uh, and then you got uh, – what's my man's name? The DN. Why can't I remember his name? Seymour uh, – Seahorn? No, not Seahorn. Richard Seymour. Uh, Seymour. I, see, I thought I was wrong because that's a Simpsons character too. And I was like, nah, I'm thinking of the Simpsons. Um, but yeah, certainly Mahomes is better than Brady the first six years. Now, time will tell who ends up being the best, but I just yeah. I feel like Tom got better as things went on and flourished with what's around him. I feel like Mahomes had good things around him, but made them better because of his you know, elusive kind of just like on the fly style. And again, the fact that his arm is just ridiculous. I mean, a lot of no duh type of comments there, but you know, that, that's, that's just the difference. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. Everybody brings up the weapons that Mahomes has or always had since he's been in Kansas city, bruh, Alex Smith had the same weapons. And we know how good of a quarterback he is. He was not cooking like Mahomes is cooking with these weapons. Like, not even close. So I always throw that out when people bring up the weapons Mahomes has. I'm like, look, he had those same weapons. I mean, Smith has those same weapons. It wasn't. He was having a good season, had some good seasons, but he was not cooking. How do you think Andy Reid was so comfortable trading Alex Smith? Because he knew right. what Mahomes had. And that sucked because that's like he went eleven and five as a Washington starter. Like he wasn't trash here. He wasn't elite, but um like if he was a few years younger and never had that devastating injury, who knows what would have happened. But um nevertheless, we move on both on the field and on the show. Jordan Poole was benched tonight before the Wizards game versus the Nuggets. And as of now, they are losing by 13, 36 to 49. Like, so my question is, how bad... Yo, Rebecca Lobo is calling ESPN games? I didn't know that. And I didn't know that the Wizards were on ESPN tonight. But anyway, um, we thought Jordan Poole was going to like come here and destroy the league and scoring. But no, it's it's kind of the opposite. Oh, she's not. That's not. That's college basketball. Um, it's it's kind of been the opposite though, bro. Like he's been struggling, and like at this point, you just you just gotta say that that punch from Draymond really affected this man's mental makeup to the point where it affected his overall game. He hasn't been the same player since that incident, and I don't know what the Wizards are gonna do. <laughs> they can't trade him. And they can't even play them at this point. And it's like, 
what do you do? Like, we had a whole topic that we were going to talk about later about Denny Aftia and his seemingly resurgence, or not even resurgence, but him blossoming into the basketball player that we thought he could be. But, like, without pool, it's like, what do you do? <laughs> like, he's supposed to be the star player, not Kuzma. And it seemed like the team is, like, really trying to get rid of, I mean, they're trying to build, but it's like their pieces that they're trying to use to get the build starting off the best way that it could be. They aren't piecing <laughs> for some reason. Like, Kuzma didn't want to go to the Mavericks, pool his bench. Um, like their best trade asset so far was Gafford, and like I didn't even expect them to trade him. I thought he would be a piece you could use um, later on, especially yeah, getting good good uh, return value from him though too. Will we get everything? We got uh, no. Oh, you say we didn't get? We did. Oh, what we get? We got a, uh, I'm pretty sure, a first-rounder next year. Or if not oh. then, in two years. We got it from Oklahoma City because it was like some sort of like multi-player deal. But oh, it's like we man. got one of the – like they. I think they have – it's either this upcoming draft or the draft after that. They have three picks, um, and we get one of them. But I think we get like the lowest of the three. I know we have um like I was surprised about the trade. Sorry, y'all. I know I keep turning back, but I'm trying to watch the um Wizards game and the Caps game that we're about to talk about in a little bit. But um yeah, I with Marvin Bagley here, I'm not as mad because you still got some size left. And you, he seems like he's been playing well recently. So, like, maybe they didn't want to pay Gafford the money they probably have to pay him. I'm not sure how his um, contract situation is right now. But I I see the vision kind of when it comes to the five spot. It's just with this pool benching, bro, I, I hope it's one of those things where they're just trying to, like, wake him up. Like, bro. You're, you cook. You can cook. Wake up. You can cook. All right, sit on the bench for a few games. Maybe you'll re- recognize who you are. And if not, maybe we'll just ke- cut you off for the rest of the season. It's for you to get your head right. Send you the, um, what's a good therapist, a famous therapist? Um, Iyana Van Zam or something. I don't know. Like, but this ain't it. We thought you was going to cook, bro. And you want to talk about the shallow end of the pool. My goodness. No fun. No fun. Yeah, I th- I think, honestly, it's not just the bottom line in terms of, like, his numbers, his performance. But I think it's attitude. It's effort. Yeah, little Mark Jackson there. The effort. There goes that man to the bench. Uh, 
I, yeah, I think it's to send a message like, you know, hey, I could give a you know what about how much money this guy makes. If you're not going to like, you know, get back on defense, you're not going to give me like a, a an honest effort. Then you ride the pine. And maybe it is to wake him up too. Maybe that'll light a fire under his ass. I don't know. But I'm definitely surprised that he isn't at least, wasn't at least, you know, going down swinging kind of thing. Maybe you're right. Maybe Draymond really did like kind of knock some of his soul out of him, you know, some Mortal Kombat type ish. But yeah, this might be the best thing for everybody. I, I don't know. But coach has to also kind of like, you know, let it be known, hey, I'm the coach. Like, y'all can't just do whatever you want, you know. Not not indicating the players can't maybe have some freedom, you know, based on things that may happen, you know, if you're running a certain play and then the, 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 the defense is over-adjusting or whatever. But at the same time, like, yo, like, we're all getting paid to, like, stay in a lane. Like, let's do that. So that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, and this is a shame because I really wanted to talk about Avdia and how he had his 40-point game, 15 rebounds, a couple assists in the Wizards' last outing versus um, the Pelicans on Valentine's Day. Oh, he was good. With Poole, the Wizards lost, by the way, in that game. Um, with Poole, <laughs> with Poole being benched, uh, they're losing right now by, I think, 15 or 16. Uh, um, I wanted to get excited for them for the second half of the season, but I don't think I can do it, bro. I really don't think I can do it. And I just kind of got to wait until um, next season. Hopefully they can do better, but Right now they're about what nine and thirty-five or something ridiculous like that, and the best players being bench. No plan, no plan, and don't even get me started on the potential move of the stadium. Um, yeah, it's a mess in Wizards Land right now. Um, speaking of a mess, the standings in the NBA. It's kind of messy. No pun intended. Talking about the goat Lionel Messi, but nevertheless, though, uh, real talk. It's there's no clear cut favorite right now for NBA championship, and I like it. Usually around this time, you'll see a couple of teams separating themselves from the pack, but this season, it's kind of tight, bruh. You got the um, Clippers. They're looking good, but they're not even a one seed. The Timberwolves are. In the East, it looks like the Celtics might be running away with that joint. But I feel like at any time, the Bucks can snap, even though they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Or 3-8, and eight, I'm sorry, in their last 11 since Doc Rivers took over. Yeah, and, that's, um, that's the same, that's the same record. Huh? So they brought that man in just to keep losing. like, <laughs> And um, that's the same record as the Pistons, who only won, what, 13 games this season? So 
I don't know, bro. And I haven't been paying attention to the NBA that much, so I can't give you an answer. I can't even say that the Nuggets are on a version repeat because they just haven't been playing as well as the other teams in the league right now. And if Embiid can come back a bit healthy, then I feel like the Sixers are going to have their hat in the ring. But Oh, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, okay. there's no clear cut. You know? Huh? I said, what kind of Embiid are you going to get? Because, you know, it's one thing, like, you know, I, I get it. He's big, he's athletic, he's talented and all, but he hasn't played ball in, in what, at least a few months. And there's a certain level of, like, I don't know how to explain it, like that sort of just that feel, that game shape. And we're talking about a guy that big, you know, when he gets moving, when he does some of these things, like go up for a rebound or a dunk or a block, um, just even like shuffling or turning his hips uh, to adjust on defense. Some of these things can be really uh, trying on your body when you're that big on your joints. And I just wonder, you know, with him coming back, like, what are you going to really get? based on like just his state. I, I'm not, you know, I know he's still relatively young, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. What I would look at though is oh. go to the West. Go to the West though real quick, Mike. You got like I'll say three teams for sure. Just about a, a couple of games outside of first. Minnesota's in first. Mm-hmm. OKC's one and a half games back. Clippers are only two games back, and they're playing OKC right now. I uh, can't remember who's winning, but uh, and then you got Denver. Just the Denver is up by sixteen. Oh dang! By sixteen, it was closer when I last looked. Um, and then you got Denver three games back, so there's plenty of time. You know, the <laughs> second half just started tonight. Um, there's plenty of time for any of those teams to make a run. I mean, even. Look at Phoenix and New Orleans, who are only six games back. So a lot more parity. That's what I was about to say, bro. The Suns are such an afterthought when it comes to contenders right now because there, it always happens with these super teams. Everybody think, oh, let's put these players together and they'll play at their best and we'll do this and we'll do that. I could have told the Suns front office, if you want to win a championship, Trading for badly build isn't the way to go about it. Build a deeper team. And since they didn't, they're going to struggle. They're, they're always going to struggle in the regular season as long as Bradley Bill's there because that Bama can't stay healthy. And if you if you get lucky in the playoffs to have them healthy for, for the 30-game stretch or whatever, or 21-game um, or whatever, then kudos, you won the lottery. But so far, he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy, not only for the season, but even in the playoffs, he's been a bit banged up. So I don't know, bro. When it comes to the Suns, I would would love for them to win a title or whatever for my guy KD. But um, eh, I'm not sensing it. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna keep doing my sort of uh, East Coast West Coast flip flop thing here. Go back to the East. 
Cavs are only uh going I just had it. Cavs are six and a half games back from Boston. That's that's a good little distance. Six now. Oh okay. But I would watch out for the Cavs. They've got a little bit of talent in, in a handful of positions. Look at guys like Mobley and Jared Allen in their front court. And then look at, you know, their backcourt. Garland is back uh, and, and getting healthy. Pair him with Donovan Mitchell. That is a, a actually a really underrated backcourt. Um, and then you look at off the bench, you got guys like Karis LeVert. Um, I'm trying to think of my man's name. Is it uh, Strauss, Max Strauss? I think sometimes he even starts. But they got guys Former like Heat. Former Heat, yep. They got those guys who can put up some buckets for you, uh, make some open threes. Uh, They're they're a solid team, and they're young. Uh, I would watch out for them in the East. Another team I would watch out for, and I know they were doing really well uh, a little earlier before uh, Halliburton got hurt, but the Pacers, they went and made moves, got Pascal Siakam. So now you pair him in the front court with Miles Turner. You got a guy like Halliburton back to being healthy who can get you some buckets, who is a really good creator uh, for his teammates. And they got a lot of guys like Ben Matherin and uh, Aaron Naismith, you know, guys that just are really good role players. I I would not in the same um, size category necessarily, but I would put them in the same category as like a Josh Powell and a Max Kleber for uh, Dallas guys who will set the screens uh, you know, run the different sort of stunts and fakes and, and and cuts to the basket. Guys who will, you know, jump for those rebounds and lose balls, you know, do the tap out thing, whatever they can to kind of get the ball to some of their, their scores, their superstars, so they can cook. Because, you know, that Jordan or LeBron, anybody, they're going to need guys like that, that kind of like, it's like an O-lineman. They keep you clean. You know what I'm saying? So, or it's their job to try to keep you clean. So that's, that's what I think, um, you know, you, you got an indie and, you know, you watch out. They're, they're, they're underrated too, but I, those are the two teams in the East, Indy and Cleveland. And then I got to tell you, man, I'm really feeling Dallas. I know I'm not going out on the limb too much there. Um, they're in the seventh spot right now. But Luka and Kyrie went healthy, and now they got P.J. and Daniel Gafford. And let's not forget Timmy Hardaway Jr. That dude's pretty nice. So considering the Wizards, uh, unless they go on some sort of miracle run, considering they're not going to do anything, I wouldn't mind seeing the Mavericks get, get uh, get a chip in the West. Yes. Pretty, pretty interesting. So, we're going to try to start this thing. Hopefully, we can keep at it. It's called Three and Out, where we end the show talking about three quick topics, try to spend no more than five minutes apiece on them. And, um, yeah, go from there. So, topic number one. Chris Sam says that Jalen Hurts is the most overrated player in the NFL. Agree or disagree? Uh, 
I don't disagree, but I, I don't agree either. And I know that doesn't make sense. So I think it was a little bit of a slow news day. And I think where Chris Sims is coming from is that you got a guy with a really good O-line and some really good receivers, good tight end when he's healthy, um, good defense, uh, and, and he's not performing. But I, I think it's also easy to kind of, you know, kick somebody when they're down because that team was sort of falling apart. You know, you got Sirianni, you know, yelling and flipping out in people's faces one minute and then crying the next minute. Uh, you got guys banged up. You know, you got uh, security getting into it with opposing teams, players on the sideline. Like that team was just a wreck. And Jalen Hurts got hurt uh, and just, you know, was trying to tough it out. Probably somebody should have been like, "Hey, let's let's have the backup go in." And I and I get it. That might, you know, that might hinder some of the things you're trying to do. Even if you were just going to have Hertz hand the ball off, it just wasn't a good look. And so I think it's easy for him to kick him while he's down because he wasn't saying that last year when Hertz took his team to the Super Bowl had like 18 rushing touchdowns. Mm. I'll read you this quote before I say what I need to say. He said, I re- this is Chris Sims. He says, I respect a lot about Jalen Hurts, but I think Jalen Hurts is also like the most overrated player in football. That's me. I know I'm wrong. I take a lot of crap about that comment. So wait, is this this is an old comment that he's now saying he was wrong? Was that? No, he said it the um other day. He said it on the show the other day. He must he must have said it before to other people. And he catches a lot of flack for it from other people, but maybe the first time he said it the day, I mean he said it on the show. But I'm gonna tell you this, bro. I agree with him, and I said the similar things last season during his um dominant run. But like I, I'm gonna keep it real, and I noticed that in his rookie season versus us, he struggles throwing the ball. Like the number one thing you're supposed to do as a quarterback, he struggles. He's not as crisp and as efficient as other quarterbacks, especially elite quarterbacks. That's why in the offseason last year, when they were saying this man was top five, I'm like, where? Over, over Herbert? Over Allen, over Mahomes, Burrow, Rodgers. What? What? What are we talking about? Remember, this was before Rodgers um, went to the Jets or whatever. All right. So, like, like I get it because, and that's why I agree because I remember people saying this man was top five last season, and it wasn't just Philly fans; it was a lot of people saying it. And I'm like, no, he still isn't the best passer or one of the better passers. I'm telling you, how was the better quarterback than Hurts last season? And if you put Howell on the Eagles, even with all the chaos, they probably win the East and make it back to the NFC Championship game with Howell over Hurts, I feel like. I just feel like that's how much, that's how bad of a passer Hurts is. 
And like I said, I'm just keeping it a buck based on what I see. I'm no quarterback expert or guru or whatever. But when it comes to actually throwing the ball, he's not that elite. Like, and we could, like, somebody can try to say Lamar Jackson isn't an elite passer, but you're wrong. <laughs> like, he can swing that thing. Pause. He is a great passer. I've seen him throw beautiful passes. Not only, like, throw them up type passes, which is most of the passes that Hurts throw, but I'm just saying, like, I agree with Chris Sims. I do think that Hurts is, if not the over the most overrated person, one of. And I think we got to move on to our next topic. Onward. All-Star Game contest, I mean, all-star game and contest lose. And I'll start out with this one, bro. It's, it's, it's been going on for years. The all-star weekend is just not as good as it used to be. And it has nothing to do with the NBA. It has everything to do with the players of the NBA. They don't care, bro. They do not care at all about the game or anything that can make them look bad or get injured. They don't care. I didn't watch the All-Star game. had no plans to watch the All-Star game. Because if they don't care, why the heck should I? Yeah. Bro, the score was 216 on 186. I'm not watching that. I can't even score 200 on... 2K in eight-minute quarters or whatever. I would have to put it on 12 minutes to get 200. On rookie. <laughs> like, I'm not watching a 200-point basketball game, man. That means there was no defense. None. Not one iota of defense, man. And yeah, not, uh, Go ahead. My bad. I'm sorry. Nah, you're good, bro. Like, I'm just... And as far as the um, All-Star Weekend, they need to just bite the bullet and put the three-point contest last. It's the most dramatic of the um, contests right now. The slam dunk contest is dead. We done seen it all. Players are scared to evolve. It's dead. It shouldn't be the last event of All-Star Saturday night. And I'm good on that. Uh, you know, certainly we're not expecting some sort of like all defensive team type of game either. You know, we understand there'll be a lot of threes and a lot of alley-oops during the game and that's fine. But like Mike said, there needs to be like some care, some representation, you know, when you, when you had, you know, the Kobe's and the Garnett's, you know, from our era, uh, I'm, I'm trying, I'm drawing blanks here for a minute. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal, I don't know why that name comes uh, to mind so much. Vince Carter, uh, just a number of guys who are all-stars, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, those guys who play in those games. And yeah, they were, they were trying to do a lot of the same uh, flashy stuff you probably saw in this recent all-star game. The difference was it was from a competitive standpoint. Those guys were trying to get buckets and beat the other team. 
I'm pretty sure the West gave up like before the fourth quarter started. I mean, they I understand like they still played and still put up shots and things like that. But I think it sort of became like, all right, well, I'm just going to try to see if I can make a few shots. I, I don't think anybody cared. And on another note, they got to bring back those all-star jerseys, the ones that say NBA at the top and then the numbers in the middle, and then it's got stars on both sides of the numbers going up and down, three stars on top of each other going uh, uh, vertical. And then on the beneath the number, it says all-star. And then you got, like, the white jersey and you got the red jersey. And that's, like, that's the creme de la creme jersey they need. Now, I don't think the jerseys are going to make a huge difference, but aesthetically, I just think it's, you know, it's classic. Uh, there's a certain homage to, you know. You know what's crazy? Overall. The jerseys that they had on weren't even that bad. Oh, I didn't kind of remind just... me of the jerseys that you're talking about. And that's crazy because the last couple of seasons, even those were horrible. But this year, I actually kind of dig these jerseys. They, they aren't that bad. Uh, with the little pinstripes, but representing the Patriots, the Patriots, the Pacers, like it wasn't that bad, bro. But um, we move on to our third topic, and it's a much happier topic than it would have been had things gone a bit differently tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, you're watching the Capitals; they pulled it off. When I first cut the game on, or when I first saw the scores of the game, when I wanted to talk about the Caps tonight, they were up two to one. And this time, Eddie was the jinx because they scored. I mean, they were up two one. This man cuts the game on, and all of a sudden, the score is now tied three to three. And it was a long third period. But they pulled it out, I think, in the six-minute mark. They got a score to go up four to three. And then towards the end of the game, they got an empty netter to go up five to three. And your Capitals are on a three-game winning streak. Winners of four out of their last six. Edward, is this the beginning of something special or nah? Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, light, getting a win versus the Lightning, that was pretty huge. I'm not going to pretend to be uh, all up in the hockey uh, universe right now and, and know everything. But what I can say is um, as many as maybe like two games ago, Alex Ovechkin was on a seven-game goal streak, uh, which I believe we talked about last show. He is now at 838 career goals, so only 56 away from the great one. Um, he hasn't scored the last two contests, if I'm not mistaken. But well, let me double check that. Oh, no, he scored last night two goals, but didn't score tonight. He got assists, uh, at least one. But, um, you know, if, if they are – this is how it works. That's a team full of young guys. They're scrappy. Carberry came up 
as a uh, a Hershey Bear coach. So I believe there's some guys on the team that came up because that those of you who don't know, that's the minor league hockey affiliate of the Washington Capitals. Um, they're doing it through some adversity with Backstrom and his whole, uh, you know, he, he pretty much messed his hip up, I think, for good and is going to have to, he's forced to retire. It's not like he just chooses to, he doesn't have a choice. Uh, Kuznetsov um, is dealing with his issue. Uh, and I don't know that he'll come back this season, but that's not something that's been um, stated or cemented either. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's possible, and I think it'd be so cool. I think given the, the circumstance, I don't think he's going to get 56 goals between now and if they were somehow to like run the gauntlet, make the playoffs, win everything, win the Stanley Cup. No way I would be scoring 56 goals this season. But if you if if they can get him one more title so that you know what I mean, even if the following season he breaks the the um the career goal mark, you would hope. Mm-hmm. He he can kind of end it on a on a a happy note there where he's like, all right, championship and then one of the all-time records, and then that's it, you know? I think that would be fantastic. I really, uh, again, aside from listening to the um, conversations that I believe, was it today? Today or is it uh, Tuesdays? Carberry, Spencer Carberry, that is the coach of the Washington Capitals, he's on with the sports junkies in the morning, and they talk to him, and, you know, he he talks – shop if you will talking about hockey but equally they talk about you know just like oh you know what kind of coffee do you drink or are you a coffee guy uh you know what are some other things you're into and it's it's kind of more of like a philosophy kind of thing I, they didn't really ask him what kind of coffee he drinks they just you know to say these mamas no 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 but but point being they they didn't just say hey what do you do with a guy like ovechkin they didn't say something like that they said, you know, like, oh, uh, when you guys go out, uh, you know, to a new city, like, what's what's the first thing you look for as far as a place to eat? Like, are you more of a chicken sandwich guy or are you a Spanish restaurant kind of guy? They, they asked, like, kind of like other questions like that, trying to get to know him. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes having a, a sort of outside-the-box philosophy where I'm sure this guy's doing X's and O's type stuff. Don't get me wrong. But having someone who's talking about um, – it's sort of this mindset I saw attached to uh, wrestling. Those of you who don't know, that was sort of my sport growing up. And it was talking about something that I see being applied to other sports. It's like, look, let's focus a little less on playing the game to win or lose. Like, eventually, that's the ultimate goal. But for now, let's focus on just competing the entire duration of the match, the quarter, the half, whatever it is. Focus on just. You said the same thing. You said the same thing last week about um, Kyle Shanahan and blowing Super Bowls. I mean, blowing leads. Damien, to cut you off, but I wanted to give you that in case you wanted to add to it. Well, it, it it's just it's a mindset, you know. the The idea is that if if you're kind of taking that approach instead of thinking like, oh, 
you know, I mean, don't get don't me wrong. I, I don't mean any of these people, you know, like, oh, I'm getting in the cage with John Bones Jones. I'm not worried about that. I'm just going to keep competing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you need to worry about that because that dude could mess you up. What I'm getting at is you have to just kind of, <laughs> this is going to sound so wrong because people say, oh, you're saying let him punch me in the face? No, don't let John Jones punch you in the face if you can help it. I mean, in some ways, it don't matter whether you let him or not. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. The point is to kind of play your style instead of letting them dictate style or to 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 fight for your style as much to where they're not dictating your style and where no matter what happens, you're constantly getting after it. Now, if you think about it, that mentality, I think, is more so applied to when you're losing. Not, I mean, I you could do for both, but you know how often, especially in the, in the youth sports, where you see teams get down just a little bit, kids put their head down and like it's over already. That's where you're teaching them, like, hey, it ain't over till it's over. You got to keep going, and that's sort of a seed that's planted that grows throughout that particular athlete. As they get older, should they sort of nurture that, you know, said seed, you know, reinforcement, uh, uh, other sorts of uh, precautions that help lead again to this sort of philosophy blooming. So if you're constantly competing, constantly getting after it, I think that's going to ultimately lead to championship potential. And that potential manifests in itself in some way. You know, I mean, think about how many times Final Four, a team, you know, George Mason, they they ran the table, what was that, 04 or 06, I think, and they went to the Final Four and they beat a number of powerhouses. They started drinking the Kool-Aid, and I guarantee you it was just, hey, we're just going to keep playing basketball. We're going to keep going, you know, no matter what. And what happened is they started off that way. You know, oftentimes it's keep going, keep going, and we're going to just get one bucket at a time, get some pride back, make it so the blowout doesn't look as much like a blowout by the time by the end of the game. Well, think if you start off the game with that mentality. And I think that's what Spencer Carberry is doing with the Caps. I think he's like, hey, look, we're just going to go out there and you're going to start the game off playing just tough. And then that's just how it's going to be. Now, their style, honestly, it's it's meant for like, one nothing, two one type victories. Lately, they've been putting up a lot of goals, and I think a lot of that's like a, a be the equivalent to like a really good defense getting pick sixes, or in basketball getting a lot of like steal, you know, outlet dunk type plays. It's almost like what right. Memphis used to do with Calipari. You know, a lot of people credit like Derrick Rose, and he was really good, but Memphis had a lot of long rangey guys, and they just played defense. They would get a steal or a block chuck it up the court and one of those rangy like wiry athletic guys would just dunk one of them being Derrick Rose. Oh, that's so. a strong comparison. So yeah. I, I mentioned something to you earlier and it it corresponds with our three and out. There's a fourth option and we're going to call it fourth down and it's up to us to come up with the surprise topic to end the show. And the first person that throws it out there um, gets to present the fourth down topic. So, of course, since because you didn't know that this exists, 
I have a fourth down topic, and I want to ask you, do you want to go for it or punt in, in the show? Mike, we're going. And they could be any topic. Like, sometimes it's, it's going to be mostly sports-related, but not all the time sports-related. Like, we can go off the cuff or whatever. But for this particular topic, I'll give you a hint that it is sports-related loosely, but more something else. So if you want to go for it, we can present the topic. If not, we'll end the show and holler at y'all about this next week. Uh, Mike, we're going for it. All right. I don't, I don't Kevin, need analytics. We're going for it. Kevin Durant was featured in a song called Scared Money by Stolly or Stolly. I'm not sure. And um, I just wanted to play a snippet of Kevin Durant's verse, and we talk about it for a couple of minutes before we end the show. From me. It's hot on the block, still milking change from it. If it ain't about the guap, I stay away from it. I ain't a stoner, but I smoke a little bit. Relieve the stress when I roll up the spliff. We've been the corners from whenever the wind. Spin the block, then we add it again. Hey, yo, look, rest in peace. Bobby Davis, we hit another layer. When she speak to me, it's like she's saying prayers. I feel like Randy Moss when he was on the Raiders. Man, they love the haters. This woman's so fine, I give her cash payments. Maybe I'm just so glued to the basics. I wanted more room, so I copped a crib sitting adjacent. Um, in this whole world, I'm Freddie Jason. I'm sitting in the place as a great but never complacent. Yeah, maybe I'm a stoner. Yeah, I took that long walk up the hill that made me alone. And nah, baby, I don't like being humble. I hate with mom. Gotta pay attention. It's a gossip. So, bro, what do you think? I I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not the best, like, sort of judge of rap, you know. And and I think, having said that, it's also a very opinionated thing. I think it was right. like, a lot better, a lot better than I guess, at least for me. You know, when you hear like, oh, athlete trying to rap. Um, it usually doesn't go over very well, at least in my experiences. So I think it was a lot better than what you would think it would be if you just told someone, hey, like, check out this Kevin Durant rap. Like, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was certainly it, a lot better, but I'm not in the place to be like, oh, you know, that was good. I, I, I think it was good, mm-hmm. but I'm also and, – and I don't say this to, like, discredit it or, or, or be like, how could this be? But I just I, I don't know. I mean, I also there's a lot of other like quote unquote rap where people are like ah, uh, you know. Hold up. And I was going to ask you that question: Who is your favorite sports rapper? It doesn't have to be a athlete that raps. It could be a rapper that we also know can play sports. Like for example, I think. My favorite sports athlete, rapper, whatever, is J. Cole. I didn't know that he can ball the way he balls. Like, he's a really good basketball player, made a semi-pro team in Puerto Rico or the Philippines or something a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, like, J. Cole can really play some basketball. Same with um, Cameron and Mace. 
they made it to their national high school. I mean, their um, state title game back in the day. And, um, yeah. And, of course, I'm always going to have love for Kobe and Shaq as rappers. But I think um, in this particular instance, I'm going to go with the rapper athlete with J. Cole. And, yeah. Just wanted to hear your take on that before we wrapped up for the week. Oh, as far as like rapper ball player, I'm gonna go Master or, P, but oh Master P. Oh yeah, that's a good one. He actually played in the NBA. Yeah, played for um up. for those that don't know. And yeah, nah, that's a that's a good one right there. Um yeah, that's a good one. So um if y'all can hear the footsteps, I mean my neighbor on the move again. So I feel like that's a perfect time to wrap up the show. And um, if you're on YouTube and you made it through the show at work in the car or whatever, um, I appreciate it. Of course, like and share always. And um, if it was rough for you, tough cookie. It's like, nah, (laughs) we're going to do better and better as the show progresses. But until then, man, we're going to holler at y'all mamas next week. And uh, thanks for listening to Eddie and Mike. Peace out. Happy Friday Eve. Or Friday morning if you're listening in the morning. Fair enough. I'll let y'all bam. Peace out. Good morning. <laughs>